get through. And a few things are going to happen uh, while we're going about this series. Uh, and today we're kicking it off, and then next week uh, we're actually having something new. Uh, we have Signing Sunday. And here's what that is. Signing Sunday is where our teens get to pick a place to serve and to be a part of a team. And I'm so thankful to be uh, at a church to have a group of people, a group of young people who faithfully serve, uh, not uh, down the line when they're an adult, but they're faithfully serving right now. Can I get an amen? All right, come on, y'all, wake up. That's a good thing. We got teens serving. We got young people serving. And so uh, we have some who are graduating out of our kids' class, and they're going to look to pick a team uh, to join and to serve. And we have others who they're already serving currently, and they're going to go public uh, with that. So just like you have top recruits for football uh, where they put the hats out, and then they have their thing, and then they commit, and they put it, and everybody goes buck wild for them, their family's going insane. Uh, we want to do that for these kids who are serving King Jesus. And so next Sunday is signing Sunday. We're going to have all our teens and preteens come, and they're going to commit to serve on a team or maybe go public with a team that they're on. So we're going to give it up for those teens. So uh, when a kid picks a team, what are you guys going to do? <clears throat> all right, hey, no golf claps. No golf claps. I want hooting and hollering, all right? We hoot and holler in this church. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. Hey, then two weeks from today, I'm really excited for this, uh, we have Circle Sunday. Circle Sunday is our group's launch. You do not want to miss September 25th. Uh, we're going to have inflatables outside and food trucks. And here's the best part. It is 100% free. Now, because we believe that circles are better than rows, uh, we're going to celebrate our group's launching by having some fun as a church family. And so we're going to be out front. Uh, that's a great Sunday to bring some friends to. Uh, and then not only that, if you're not connected to a group, or maybe you were connected to a group, but it's time to try a new group, uh, you can do that on Circle Sunday. It is a fresh start for everyone. So, hey, we've got Signing Sunday next week. We've got Circle Sunday on the 25th. Uh, there's so much good and so much fun happening uh, right now at Refuge. I'm just so excited. Uh, but before I hop into the message today, let's pray together. <clears throat> God, I just thank you for uh, the words that you've given us through the book of James. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for what you're doing in the bodies, uh, in this body, that you're working together. You're having these young people serve. Uh, we're having new groups launch. Uh, there's so many good things going on. Help us to focus on those and just to celebrate those, to just to give you honor and glory for those things that are happening. I pray for the service today. I pray that uh, your word would touch hearts. And God, that uh, there would just be some uh, eternities changed today that there will be lives changed today by the decisions that are made today. And I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. So, hey, if you've got the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along in the live event there. Uh, if you've got your Bible just in front of you, turn to the book of James, and let's kick this series off with a bang. I didn't see anybody move. I didn't see any Bibles come out. I didn't see any phones come out. Come on, we've got to follow along with me. I'm not going to chew this all up for you. I want you to do some of the chewing and eating yourself. All right, so hey, uh, why is this series called Prove It? Uh, because James, he's the author of, of the book. And over and over again, uh, James is calling up his brothers and sisters in the faith. He's not calling them out, but he's calling them up. He's saying, hey, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Show me. You say you believe this. Prove it. And don't prove it by repeating talking points. You prove it by your actions. You prove it by your attitude. You prove it by your words. You prove it by your work. Prove it. Uh, really, I had one person that said, the essence of James is really this. If you're going to be a Christian, be a real one. Be a real one. Prove it. So that's why this series is called Prove It. We're going to hop right into James chapter 1. Verse 1, it says this. This letter is from James. A slave of God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. We're only going to make it one verse. We're going to dive in. Hey, So the book of James was written by James. Uh, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And instead of saying, hey, I was Jesus' half-brother, like 50% family there, like 50% of the same blood, uh, G- James says, no, I am a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word slave is probably better understood uh, to us by the term servant. He is a servant of God and of Jesus. And uh, if you actually get into it a little further than that, an even better understanding would be that he is a bond servant or like an indentured servant. Uh, A bond servant or an indentured servant is someone who, uh, they aren't like property of that person. They're not like they own them. Like They're not like a true slave. They're someone who says, I'm going to willingly submit to serve you. So James is saying, I am a bond servant to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have chosen to serve Jesus because I know that any burdens I bear from following Jesus, they're going to be worth the cost. That Jesus is worth it. That my pain is not in vain. And so James starts out this letter by saying, I am a willing servant of Jesus. And so at this time, I want you to think about it like this. Like you guys know how you have your 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 uh, signature for your emails, and it might have your name and your title. Like James is coming from the top ropes right here. This, they did it at the beginning of this time. When they wrote letters, they didn't say dear so-and-so. They said, hey, this is me speaking. They put it at the top. And James is saying, like from the top ropes, I am a servant of Jesus. Like I am a bond servant of Jesus. That's where I'm at. I serve him willingly above everything else. I do it because he will be worth it. He goes on in verse 2, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It says when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Uh, when hard times come, it's a challenge to see that hard time as an opportunity for joy. We need to shift our, our mindset a little bit when testing times come. Um, let me give you just a quick example of this from my life. <clears throat> when I was in high school, I was taking a math class, I believe geometry. It's been a hot minute, I don't remember exactly. Uh, but it was where you had to memorize proofs uh, to basically prove why this certain angle would be the same as this angle based off of these proofs, these rules. Uh, and when I first got into that, I did not get it at all. I did not get it. I was like, what is this? So I got to that first test, and guess what I did? I failed, and I was doing so good in the class before that first test because everything was like a participation grade, like it was daily work. Uh, but then you got to that test, and I failed bad. Uh, because I failed so bad, and I had to show it to my parents and get their signature on it to bring it back to the teacher, thanks. Um, I should have just forged my mom's signature. Uh, we're both L.Key. It would have been really easy. Uh, but because I did so bad, and I got my mom's signature, uh, my mom, uh, the loving, caring mom that she is, she reached out to the teacher and said, Logan would like to do some extra time uh, so he can uh, get back on track in this class. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate it. You know, as a, te- a teenager, that's what I'm thinking. And so for a couple of days a week, uh, for about two or three weeks, it wasn't too long, uh, I'd show up to the school early um, <clears throat> and have some time with my teacher to get some practice and just to go over uh, what we were doing. Uh, the next test, I got an A. 
And if it, right? Uh, but here's the deal. If it wasn't for the first test going so poorly, uh, that wouldn't have happened. Because I wouldn't have spent the time and effort to get the better grade on the second one. I needed that first one to happen so that I could learn some things. Testing isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. It gives you confidence in the thing being tested. Before you hop on a roller coaster, you do not want to hear someone say, I hope this works. Right? That thing has been tested to ensure that it won't fall apart. Before you fly in an airplane, again, you don't want somebody to say, I hope that new part works. No. Uh, you, it has been tested to make sure that the wings are not going to fall off. Uh, before you drove your car, there was another identical version of it that they crash tested to make sure that the airbags work. That testing gives you confidence. And it's not that those are perfect things, but it's that they can do the task that they are called to do. Testing instills confidence, endurance. But when it comes to our faith, we don't have that same kind of eagerness for the testing of our faith. But it says when our faith is tested, it is an opportunity to grow. When our faith is tested, it shows the legitimacy of our faith. Let me give you another example. Uh, this one from the world of Legos. All right, I got, I got young kids, all right, the world of Legos. But there's a show on TV, it's called Lego Masters. This was a few seasons ago. They have these adults build these crazy things. And uh, each episode, the weakest link is eliminated, kind of like your typical reality show there. Uh, and on one episode, they had to make a bridge. They had a platform, a platform, and their goal was to connect them. <clears throat> and then every team built their bridge and, you know, whatever the time limit was. And then uh, after they were done, they placed weights on them in the middle until they would fall to see how much weight it could hold. They tested it. One duo was incredibly confident uh, that they had the strongest bridge. They're walking around with some swagger, uh, with some boldness. Uh, go to testing. Uh, theirs did the worst. It almost immediately fell apart. Uh, they ended up being eliminated. Another group, uh, when they get started, they have like this giant room that's filled with Legos. Another group was so busy like sketching out their plans that they went to go get their Legos and the ones that they were wanting to use, they were supposed to be like really strong, uh, there wasn't going to be enough to go with their plan. So they had to go with plan B. And they were really worried uh, that their build wasn't going to hold up to the weight. Uh, theirs ended up being the winner. And it was able to handle all the sandbags that they had and like random stuff that they threw on there. Like it had everything on it. It was insane. One said, we got this, and they lost. Uh, and the other was really nervous because they had to go to plan B, and guess what? They actually won. Uh, it doesn't matter how they were feeling about their build. What mattered was what they built and the testing that came with it. Testing isn't fun, but it's that testing that gives us confidence. And testing also has a refining element to it. You put precious metals into the fire, uh, those impurities are removed from it. The fire burns them away. A better metal comes out. Now, all that is true, and it sounds good, until you're being pushed into the flames, it does not feel like an opportunity for joy anymore. It doesn't sound like a good thing. Testing might not be fun, but what comes out of the fire, what comes out of the test is stronger than what came in. That's how it works. James 1 verse 4 says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. When your endurance is fully developed. Other translations say patience. Anybody ever struggle with patience? Uh, yeah, 
pay for patience. It's going to be a really fun week for you if you do. Um, <clears throat> but here's the deal. Uh, testing takes time. And, and the thought being here is that you can't rush the process. You can't rush the process. Um, I've never done this exact thing, but I've kind of done similar things. Uh, a pizza in the oven uh, for 20 minutes at 350, that might get you a good pizza. Uh, the same pizza in the same oven at 700 for 10 minutes, it ain't the same thing. Those are going to give you two different outcomes. Uh, the reason is you can't rush the process. And patience isn't uh, given, it, it's earned. Uh, you can't give a child patience. Uh, you can give them opportunities to exhibit patience. Uh, and it's true for us too. I can't just increase my faith by saying so. By saying my faith is strengthened. Ooh, it doesn't work like that. Uh, your faith is strengthened by being tested, by going through trials. That's the only way it works. And that can be a little daunting because to say I want great faith means that I have to go through great trials. If I want great faith, I've got to go through great trials. And in those trials, uh, we have to trust God's timing. And that can be really hard. His timing is perfect. He sees the big picture. And that should give us hope when we are in uh, difficult situations. But it just feels like, I want you to do something, God. And it feels like, what's, what's going to happen? So uh, I just want to encourage you to have patience. Uh, don't trade God's timing for your deadline. I'm going to say that again. Don't trade God's timing for your deadline. I wonder how many times we've been going through a trial, a difficult situation. And we've shortchanged ourselves uh, by trading God's timeline for our deadline. When we rush ahead, when all signs from God say, slow down. All right, we turn the pizza oven uh, up to 700 to go for 10 minutes instead of 350 for 20. It says, when troubles of any kind come, remember it's an opportunity for great joy. Not because of the circumstance, but because the testing has the ability to grow your faith. Verse 5, let's keep going. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in everything they do. Verse 5, it says, ask our generous God for wisdom, and he'll give it to you. Last week, we our last series, we talked about how God is a, a good father, and he wants to give good gifts to his children. He wants to help you. He wants to see you learn and grow. He wants to see you be wise. So ask him for help. Ask him for wisdom. When you ask God, be sure that your faith is in him alone. It says a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave in the sea. You can't serve two masters at once. It's, it's just not going to work. The Bible talks about that in another passage. So when you ask God, be sure that your faith is in him alone. And that's kind of confusing uh, because it, it seems like if my faith is in God alone, I shouldn't seek input from others. 
and I don't think that's what it means. It doesn't mean you shouldn't seek the input of other people or read books or research how to handle the situation you're in. Uh, so just like to use this little kind of silly example, if you were a diabetic, you wouldn't say, my faith is in God alone. I'm not taking my insulin, right? <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that way. Uh, the prayer of the diabetic would be, God, I'm thankful for your faithfulness to me and countless others through modern medicine that I can have insulin, right? God isn't saying don't listen to anyone but me. Uh, there is wisdom all over this planet. There are wise things that be, can be gleaned from many sources. God is saying don't give anyone else your heart. Those things aren't perfect. God is. And he doesn't want you to give your heart to anything else because here's the truth. He's the only one who's paid the price for your heart. He's the only one. He's the only one who's paid the price for your heart. Verse 9 says this, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a flower in the field. Somebody should get that tattooed right there. That would be a good one. Uh, no, you guys don't want that one. Uh, believers who are poor have something to boast about. Anybody boasting right now for your poverty? Okay. Uh, for God has humbled them. And those who are rich should boast because God has humbled them. Uh, they will fade away like a flower in the field, like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls. Its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. All their achievements. Uh, the poor have something to boast about for God has honored them. That's actually not what it says there. It all hinges on that very first word. It says, believers, followers of Jesus, who are poor have something to boast about. Uh, the, the point that James is getting at here is that although you might be lacking some things of this world, with God you have immeasurable wealth in heaven. And that's way more valuable than any money in your bank account, than anything that money could buy. In verse 10, there's an implied uh, connotation that the rich have gained their wealth by uh, immoral means. Uh, James is going to get into this a little later on in the book. Uh, that They've got their wealth by oppressing uh, poor and vulnerable people. James wants us to know that God is going to make this right in his time. That he's going to take that wealth away uh, just as quickly as it came. It's not going to stay in their hands. That, that the wealthy, they're going to they're gonna lose it. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but living in America, I know, uh, I know we're not all millionaires in here, but like God, uh, just to live in the country we live in, we are incredibly wealthy compared to so much of the world. And if we cling to those achievements that we have, if we cling to that wealth that we have, uh, it's not going to satisfy them. There's never going to be enough money that's it's enough, enough achievement where I can relax. It's always just a little more. And money might make life easier in some regards, but money cannot provide what only God does. When you lose a loved one, there's no amount of money in a bank account that can bring them back. It's not going to come for you. But Jesus, he can come for you. Don't cling to the things of this world. Cling to Jesus. James 12, James 1, verse 12. God blesses those who endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
And remember, when you are tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, our flesh, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and then when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It says, God will bless you for enduring testing and temptation. I'm going to say it again, it's going to be worth it. Our world is really good at counting the cost of the things around us. Like, have you noticed how bad it is? Like, when you go to a website, like, and it's an expensive thing, like, they have this other thing where it's like, or oh, just four payments of, like, like, they have a whole other thing there. Like, they want to make it as easy as possible for you to count the cost to make it easy to get. What we're really bad at is counting the cost of giving into temptation, like he talks about there. It says, when you are tempted, it is not God who is doing the tempting. It's our flesh and it's the enemy. I heard uh, one pastor describe it this way, and I really liked it. He says, Satan tempts us to make us wrong. God tests us to make us strong. Satan tempts us to make us wrong. God tests us to make us strong. It says, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, enduring trials, though it might be hard in that season, it actually is going to increase your faith. Giving into temptation does the opposite of that. It's easy to give in, it's easy to do that, and then it stunts your faith. There are really two sides of the same coin. Satan tempts us to make us wrong, and God tests us to make us strong. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Uh, everybody in here, uh, you are going to be tempted. According to that verse, the temptations that you face are no different than the temptations that other people face in this world. Then it says this, but God is faithful. It doesn't say you're faithful. It says God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted more than you can stand. Because when you're tempted, he's going to give you a way out. He'll show you a way out so you can endure. You're going to be tempted and God is going to be right there with a way to escape. That's what it says. The problem is, is that the more we give in to the temptation, the more we see the opportunity for pleasure instead of the way to escape. So if giving into temptation makes us wrong, but enduring testing makes us strong, according to that passage right there, believers have the ability through God to turn any temptation into a test. Something that's going to take us from being wrong and doing wrong to actually making us strong. See, God is faithful. He'll provide a way for you to get through it. He's not going to give you more than you can stand. Uh, and I think some people take that verse and they take it the wrong way, saying, God's never going to put more on you than you can handle. Uh, God's never going to put more on you than you can handle with him. It ain't about me, it's about him. He is faithful. So whether it's a temptation or whether it's a trying season of life, God will come through. God tests us to make us strong, to give us confidence in our faith, to grow us. It's the pressure in those moments that we often feel. You can feel the pressure in those moments, those hard seasons. Um, and we can sometimes just tangibly feel them in our bodies. Have you ever had that kind of pressure 
or like your, your, your teeth are clenched. Uh, you can feel your blood pressure going up, right? Uh, and here's the deal. Pressure is not a bad thing. Pressure can be used to help us. Uh, when you're working out, you're putting pressure and stress on your body so that your body can get stronger. Uh, but a lot of us, uh, and too many of us, really are, are kind of like balloons. Uh, this is us. Uh, we get filled up with pressure, the hard times we're going through, and they cause us to take that pressure, and we grow tense. Uh, we grow uh, a little tight. I about put my mouth into this microphone. That would have been really awkward. Uh, we get a little tight, uh, and then we get a little vulnerable. hope I can tie this. And then we walk around with all this pressure and all this stress. And what happens is eventually uh, we hit one of those trigger moments. Remember had one of those? Not a big deal, but it's just like at the end of a long day, something went wrong. Maybe it was just a bad day at work. Could be uh, one of those mornings where you can't get it in gear, and then you finally got it going, and then you spill the coffee all over yourself. Could, could be a number, number of things. And we have that trigger moment, and one thing happens. You guys didn't know that was there. I, ooh, I got you guys going, that one. Hey, we take all that pressure, we get built up, and then we pop. We pop. We transfer all that energy, all that stress, all that pressure onto the people around us. Put it on our spouse, put it on our kids, put it on our families, put it on our coworkers. Uh, and when hard times come, we don't need to be the balloon. We don't need to take on all that pressure and all that stress. Uh, we need to be something a little different. <laughs> this is what we need to be. See, this, see, see, this was actually designed uh, to handle the pressure. Did you know that? It's actually going to use all this pressure uh, to its benefit. I don't know if you know this, but you're the first half of the, the auditorium here. You're in the splash zone. Uh, so when you pull the trigger, all right, that energy, that stress, guess what? It's directed where you want it to go. I caught my wife not paying attention. I need to have this every Sunday. But, hey, here's the deal. Uh, we, we don't want to be a balloon when we get filled up with pressure and stress, and tough times, and trials, and guys, that's gonna happen. We need to be the super soaker, right? Where we can take that pressure, and we can direct it, and go in a place that we want it to go. We don't pop under that stress. We don't pop under that pressure. We actually redirect it to something that's going to be the way that we want it to go. Actually use it to grow not just pop around whoever's around us. So uh, I just want to talk about how we get to be that super soaker. How, like James says at the beginning of this chapter, uh, we can count it all joy when I get into troubling circumstances. That I'm not going to feel that pressure and pop. I can use it as an opportunity to grow. I can use it to change what's happening around me. I can use it to change me. So uh, the first thing we have to develop to have a super soaker type 
of faith. Uh, we just have to develop a God's got this mindset. God's got this. That no matter what comes your way, no matter what is thrown at you, you know my God is bigger than this. God has never looked at any human and said, they are too far gone. That situation can't be restored. He's never done that. Uh, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Yeah, I just stole that from the kids' church. It's all right. I put that in a sermon. But that's the truth. Our God is bigger and better than any problem we might face. You have to develop a God's got this mindset. Because when you put all that pressure on you, you can't take it. You're going to pop. God's got this. He can take the pressure. The second thing we have to do is to put that pressure on God. Uh, you can't put all that pressure on you in your life. You can't handle it. You need to transfer that pressure, those burdens, uh, the, the energy, the stress that's being pushed on you. Pray all those struggles, trials, temptations, whatever it is, and ask God for help. Psalm 55, 22 says it this way. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So not only can God handle it, he welcomes it. Take all the pressure off of you and put it on God. He's got this. He can handle it. The last thing we need to do is to, to be a super soaker uh, is to live life uh, like we're playing with house money. All right? I know that was a gambling term, probably not the best one to use uh, in a sermon, but hey, live life like you're playing with house money. Uh, yesterday, I don't know if we got any college football fans, we had two top ten upsets in college football. Texas A&M uh, paid Appalachian State $1.5 million to come to, Houston, uh, to College Station and to beat them. They paid someone $1.5 million to come and beat them in football, that's crazy. Uh, Notre Dame paid Marshall, uh, it was reported different amounts, but roughly a, a million dollars uh, to come and to beat them. At the first half of the OU game, I was a little afraid. All right. uh, but hey, uh, uh, but here's the deal. The longer those upset games went on, the more loose the underdog team became. And the big dogs, the ones who are supposed to have it all together, the more and more tight and tense they got. Because Notre Dame and Texas A&M, they had all that pressure on them. They literally paid millions so that they could come tune up the team before conference play starts. They paid that team money so that they could beat them. Like that, that's why that went that way. However, App State and Marshall, the two that got the upsets, no one expected them to even be in the game. They go out there. They, they play loose. They take chances. They go for it. There's not one bit of pressure on their shoulders. Church, God wants you to go out and to do big things for the kingdom. Not because you got it together, because he's holding it together. Take chances. Have a bold faith. You can do that because the pressure's not on you. God's taken the biggest burden that anyone here has ever faced. That's separation from him. 
and he's taking care of it. And I know that there are many in this room, and you've been living life just like, like this balloon, that all the pressures of life are, are getting to you. And you just feel like, I don't know when, but I know that I'm trending towards this pop, this blow-up moment. And maybe you feel like you've already popped and you're in a million pieces. Uh, and hear me on this, wherever you're at. God has got this. He's got it. Cast your cares on him. And he will sustain you. He's going to come through. Uh, in the season you're in, don't get tight. Don't get tense. Don't try to be perfect. Relax in Jesus and move forward as best as you can. I promise you, God will be honored in that. He will. Let's pray.